Welcome to the Wilson Show. This is Lord Extra Cooler, and welcome to the Extra Cooler Show. Nobody eats beefaroni on a boat, man. That's a problem. <laughs> right, so, uh, right, so, what's in the cooler? Oh, just blew my mind. <laughs> the rhino, the rhino's on ya. Extra credit. Quartz, 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 quartz side heater. Extra credit. Welcome to the Extra Cooler Show. Welcome back to the Extra Cooler Show. My name is Nick, otherwise known as Extra Cooler. This week, I am joined by Matt, Mike, and Jim. And, oh man, this week we've got Chapter 2 of the Summer of 1998 in wrestling that we're covering. This is the second half of King of the Ring 1998, all the iconic stuff uh, we're going to tap into tonight. Before we do, as usual, you can find us on Instagram at Extra Cooler and join us over on our Discord channel. And uh, we're also cooking something up over on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to hand it over to Matt for some housekeeping. So I, we are about to cover one of the most iconic moments in wrestling, and Nick's out here just chilling, just hanging, <laughs> starting off the show. So YouTube. let's go. <laughs> let's get into some housekeeping here. Last week we had we we ta- we commented on how uh, maybe we needed to do a little bit more homework for our first half of King of the Ring 1998. So there was the question: Owen versus X Pac. They faced previously in King of the Ring. Mike and Nick were both correct. Mikey Workrate, of course, coming through with the stats. 1994 semifinals, Owen went on to beat Razor Ramon in the finals. That is the last time that Owen faced X-Pac in the King of the Ring. So well done there, sir. We were asking why Triple H was on commentary and if he was hurt. Now, I could not find anything about him being injured during the time, but Triple H loses to The Rock on the Raw before the King of the Ring after a low blow low blow from Rocky. Um, and this was right in the middle of DX versus The Nation, and Triple H was the reigning King of the Ring. So I think he was just out there of crowning the new champion, right? Just passing the torch, so to speak. Just a reason to get him on the card, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, And then lastly, which I found to be, well, maybe not lastly, I may have one little extra one for you, but most interestingly for me was the talk around Takamichi Noku and the Michinoku driver, uh, exactly who invented it. So I found an old WWE article or WWE.com article. Why is the Garvin Stomp, uh, why is it called the Garvin Stomp, eight maneuvers named for the men who perfected them. Oh, I like this. So they had a Michinoku driver section of this article, and I'll, I'll read it verbatim for you. This one's tricky because the natural assumption would be that Michinoku driver is named for Taka Michinoku. In truth, it gets its name from the innovator, the great Sasuke. Confused? Well, since Sasuke originally competed under the name of Masa Michinoku, then uh, when Taka Michinoku began wrestling in Japan, he adapted the Michinoku name in a nod to Sasuke. Ooh, man. Uh, To add to the mix-up, Taka also created his own versions of the Michinoku driver, which he called the Michinoku driver 2 and 2B. So it was not Taka, but it was actually the great Sasuke, which I thought was uh, pretty cool. So you're saying Dick to go didn't have anything to do with that move? 
no dick to go on uh, <laughs> on that one. No, he was not a Michinoku driver. He was, uh, yeah, he was just worried about dick to dick go. To go. And, yep. and uh, Taka's last name is not even a Michinuku. Is that where we're getting there? <laughs> well, it was, what's his uh, real name? Yeah. You have more homework <laughs> next week. No, yeah. no, more. The, the Taka more. conversation Taka. is done. Like Taka and Bottom. <laughs> wrong, wrong kid there. Wrong kid. Uh, so the last thing is, I was disappointed in my uh, producing skills. As last week, we had a really cool uh, drop that we spoke about from Jerry the King Lawler that I said needed to be on our board in uh, just in perpet- uh, just future uh, for moving forward. Man, I'm starting off rusty. You're starting off dry. I'm starting off rusty. What in the world is happening? Let's kick this off. But his here, name is Takao Yoshida. There you go. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. It is Thank on you. the board uh, in perpetuity was what I was looking for. But let's just listen to the king. Like you got a chance for her, pal. That's uh, like it. it's there. <laughs> We're going to use that when Mikey work rates uh, drooling over Francine or Chastity during an ECW heat wave later this summer. <laughs> you <laughs> know, we can use it on me anytime Stacy Keebler comes across our board. But that is it from housekeeping this week. Nick. All right. Let's do it, brother. Let's get things back back on track to King of the Ring 1998. We've covered all the absolutely outrageous things that happened in part one. Um, but to, for this episode, we've got three bangers. You've got the King of the Ring finals. You've got the iconic Hell in a Cell. And then you've got a first blood match between Austin and Kane. So we've got a lot to dive into. So we're going to kick it off with the King of the Ring finals. Um Things pick up. It shows the big board on the screen, letting us know that we're getting Ken Shamrock versus The Rock. Um, and but before we do, we have to get uh, Mister Jokester himself, Triple H, out uh, with China. He's the European champion, also, and he's last year's King of the Ring winner. And he's coming out to join us on commentary. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna have plenty to talk about with. Uh, Mr. Triple H himself. And he comes uh, out with China, right? He comes out with China. She's got the sunglasses on and uh, your favorite backwards Kangol hat on. Yeah. yeah. You know, Nick, I'll defer to you on this since you did own the CD. Um, but would you say they've gone full boys to men here? But they're both sporting backwards <laughs> Kangols. Decangolation X. <laughs> I find it interesting so, that Triple H decides to pull a Jerry Lawler and take his shirt off, rips his shirt off Hulk Hogan style, and then sits at the announce table with no shirt on. It's a man in his denim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man um, is denim. We, this is the third. This is the third time in a row that China is out for a match too. Yeah, like it's it's wild. She does like little costume changes, if you will. So like in one, she's wearing sunglasses. The next, she's wearing the kangol. The one after that, she's not. Like this one, is, she has the backwards kangol on. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It I like that interesting take. She yeah. put in the work that night. Like she's, you know, she gets involved too. And not here, but she was working this night. She's uh, speaking fluently in Spanish, apparently. That yeah, we're the getting, best. yeah, yeah, it's 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 excellent stuff. Um, it's a really interesting finals, if you ask me. This match goes close to fifteen minutes long. Um, I I feel like I'm more uh, distracted by Triple H on commentary during it because he's extremely obnoxious. Uh, I, I don't know if last week we spoke about this or it was on the Discord. Also, it's distasteful. <laughs> it's just like that stupid sophomoric humor, but it's not even like that sophomoric humor that like him and Sean tried to pull like in the part two of 
their reincarnation of DX. It's just like I, I don't know. It it does absolutely nothing for me. Slightly twenty five years later. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, he's also he's just the kind of person I think that he in his own mind anything that he says is funny, right? Like he needs an editor, I think. You know, like especially like, at this point, definitely. Yeah. Some of the stuff is kind of funny, which goes just because it's so stupid. Like he's talking about, I forget what it is. He's a one man band playing his own instrument. Like yeah, it's, it's like jeez. Oh, <laughs> It's funny because I find him now when he comes on and the shtick that he'll pull, I find entertaining. But now, like look, looking back twenty five years later at this, the commentary is this just like it's oh. like my least favorite era of Triple H right here. Yeah, it's no, all just yeah. it's self serving. It doesn't help yes. the match, like you said, Nick. It distracts from the match, and that's like a, a that's not good when your announced team is doing that. Yeah, multiple times he takes shots at WCW. Right off the bat, he takes a shot saying it's not old, two old men rolling around the ring. Right. Um, and I know we're like in the heat of things, uh, so so it's interesting to hear those little nods. Um, what what's he talking about when he says um, you can't like you can win the King of the Ring, but then you can't pose in any nudie magazine? I don't or know. Were the belt he was talking about? Maybe, it's got to be Sean. No, that's what yeah, I thought. But has to be. But Sean never won the King of the Ring. Right, it's no, but he posed naked belt, with the belt, though. I think. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, it's just a know. random kind of comment that like is out of place. Don't, I think. At first, I was Nick. like, "Wait, Mabel didn't pose naked with the belt <laughs> or with Ooh, the crown? Sure. Ah. sure about that, <laughs> Nick? In your background, you have a framed picture on your wall. I thought that was Shawn Michaels from Playgirl with the <laughs> belt. Is that? That's why it's taken us 107 episodes to go full uh, YouTube <laughs> on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right. So we get Shamrock versus The Rock here. It's uh, it, it's an entertaining finals, I think. Um, sure. I, I, it's hard to it's it's not hard. It's interesting looking back at things and seeing this young version of Rock because we're about to see things completely take off after this summer hits. Um, so it, it it's cool. Uh, JR is out there talking about Shamrock needing to avoid snapping and getting in his zone. Uh, and then, like Mike said, Choina joins the Spanish commentary and Triple H translates her words to something about Taco Bell. Eesh. Like that line's like, oh, God, man, that's just cringe like the, worthy. Yeah, cringe worthy. It's like the lowest hanging fruit yeah. kind of joke. If, it's like, oh, man. Yeah, and then he follows it up with he, no thought put into that. He's yeah. not bilingual, but he's a lot of other bi stuff. Did I just say that? Oh, yeah, like, what? Like, what? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. It's like he almost didn't realize what he said. He, like, honestly, I, I don't know. He's. I mean, he's probably dating China at this point in time, too. So Ooh. Yeah, that's true. They're probably full on at this point. But it, I would love to know what China's actually saying over there. I wish we had that translated. <clears throat> right. <laughs> uh, oh, no. I'm tapping out on that one. I am yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that looked, one to you, Jim. She's fluent. All right, I'll see if I could go back and do it. That would, that would be actually fun. <laughs> <laughs> Dust off that seven years of Spanish. Yeah. Rock gets into it with Triple H, which is like, you know it's happening. He goes outside the ring. Triple H spits water in his face. Uh, I I love what Triple H says to him, though. He's like, you don't want none of me, fuzzy top. <laughs> <laughs> fuzzy top. <laughs> uh, you know, he ignores Shamrock, and then he gets his ass kicked. Um, but... It, there's one really weird spot. I don't know if you guys caught this. Uh, I think I know where you're going. 
the ropes, right? Shamrock gets yeah. tossed over the top, and his arm gets trapped in the ropes. It's ugly. Like his fist, his wrist, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an accident because the the ref comes definitely. over and just lets him out immediately. Uh, the Rock lets rock. him out. I oh, the Rock, the rock lets yeah. him out. Yes. Yeah. It, it yeah, that doesn't like that. He should Rock should take advantage of that if we're being you know full kayfabe here. Right. Like, he yeah. just lets him go he, though. <laughs> he comes over and he like kind of gives him a little boot, like a little kick, but really his focus is getting his hand untied out of the top yeah. and middle rope it's like andre the giant that would like go fall back into right. the ropes yeah. and get yeah. caught in between the two that's exactly what happened as he flips over the top rope or even more appropriately mick foley would go over the ropes and stick mm-hmm. his neck between the two yes like, psycho lose his ear <laughs> but at this point it's just shamrock's hand and uh, you could see him Rocky favoring is the one that he... comes over yeah, oh, yeah, and he favors it definitely when he's on the outside of the ring. Yeah, no, that's a funny little spot there. There's he's also like a spot that to... I love. Yeah, yeah, shake it off or shake it out. There's this one dude that's ringside who's talking mad shit to the Rock. And he's like leaning <laughs> over the railing and like, I feel like Rocky's like close to to decking him at this point. Like, <laughs> like this guy's just over the line and like I don't. Yeah. Even, it's one of those things that would not fly nowadays. Well, they're they're definitely like entering that territory of like some some of the ECW type fans are yep. like trickling in and yep. or it's like wearing off into the WWE crowd or WWF and, and even very, WCW. And they're emboldened too, right? The fans like right. they think they can get away with it. Yep. All right, so I'm gonna get right to the end of this match. Uh, Rock hits the people's elbow, uh, and the DDT gets Is it a near the fall. People's elbow there. I'm sorry to cut you off. I don't know. Did they refer to it as they it? Don't, but it's the no. crowd pops for it, even though he's a heel here. Um, yep. Lots of near falls, I thought, towards the end, um, and the crowd gets very much into the end of this match. Um, Rock argues with the ref, opens the door for Shamrock to uh, grapevine his leg and slaps on the ankle lock, and uh, Rock taps out clean. And we've got a new King of the Ring, and you see Triple H out there, and I. I saw him come out, and I didn't expect there to be a clean ending to this match from what I remember. Yeah, I'm kind of the same you know, way in, in, in watching back. Um, you know, the crowd pops massive when the uh, ankle lock gets applied. Like, they yes. jump out of their seats for this dude. And I, like, I struggle to really get behind Shamrock, and, like, I can't remember exactly, like, 25 years later or whatever it is at this point of, like, I don't remember Shamrock being that big of a deal, but this dude is over. He's very man. over. Yeah, we've talked about this now a few times on this show. Yeah. The crowd pops. I mean, I remember cheering for him, and I liked Rock, the heel Rock, but I liked Shamrock too. And I remember cheering for him to win the title yeah. at Icy Belt at WrestleMania a few months back, and I think I probably wanted him to win this. And he, you know, you, Nick, you talked about in the last uh, episode how he's just sending guys off the ropes, and he's got a kind of a limited move set. But the moves he does do, he look they look really good, impactful, including yeah. the ankle lock. He sells the yeah. hell out of it, and it looks painful. Grape finds the leg and everything. That look that looks great. It looks great. Oh, it's smooth. There is a set of clotheslines that are really stiff in this one too. Um, that I just it looked like a receipt was given. So the rock nail yes. shamrock first with like a it's really high. It's like up around the neck and the jaw area. It looks really stiff. And then right after it, it looks like Shamrock awkwardly reverses an Irish rip. Like uh, nope, I'm not going into the ropes. Holds onto Rocky's wrist and then lays in a receipt with another high clothesline that just knocks Rocky on his ass. And it was like okay, that's that's some old school <laughs> wrestling right there. I respect that. That's cool. 
It's a, I think Shamrock is just like one of the first guys that we've seen in a while who like doesn't seem like a sports entertainer and like it's believable mm. what he's doing in the ring. Like yeah. the ankle lock, think about it. Outside of the ankle lock, what was there? The sharpshooter and the figure four in terms of submission moves. And even then, like it wasn't a big deal. Nobody made a big deal out of them tapping out. They never really tapped to those mm-hmm. moves. Dude, it wasn't tapping it. out until Shamrock. He actually might be a big part of how the Attitude Era got started. Oh, totally. Without a doubt. Yeah, especially that aggressive kind of MMA style infused into the the product for sure. Yeah, as far as the tapping out thing, Nick, I mean, what did you do with your wrestler toys when you were a kid? When they they (laughs) quote-unquote tapped out, you said, I submit. They weren't tapping out, right? No, not at all. No, no, no. Uh, it was the raise the hand three times, and you're thinking <laughs> yes, of a bear hug. <laughs> you're thinking of the sleeper, sleeper hold from Million Dollar Man. Like to me, it was always the referee coming in and checking with raising the hand True. three times, and then that's when they're done. When they're yeah. out, out. Or you would see like the the guy nodding his head, no, no, and then he would go like, yes, yes. yeah, yes. yeah, that's yeah. True. That's true. Yep. I submit. I submit. The tap out was a. It's key, like it, it's yeah. Oh, changed this so much. Right? It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's awesome. All right, so let's give this King of the Ring finals uh, cans in the cooler. But before we do, the most interesting thing I think is that there's like zero celebration for Shamrock. Yeah, there's no the crown. crown. There's no no cape or whatever you call it. Yeah, <laughs> Shamrock is just awkwardly pacing around the ring yeah. until the referee comes over and raises his hand, and then it. You see Triple H walking out as Shamrock is still awkwardly pacing around the ring. Like it, that's what I think checks me out of Shamrock is that he always feels awkward in in interviews, in in ring stuff where he's not fighting. It just he always feels awkward to me. But he's regardless of that, he's a zoo animal. Like he's just <laughs> yeah. Get him out, of the, him out of the cage. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's like that's him. You know, that's like actually him. That's what's it's, kind of it's, fun about him. Yeah, really well said. That's a good point. That's perspective I did not have back in 1997, 1998. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. I will give this match three and a half cans in the cooler for me. Wow. And this is, this is high for me. Yeah, you're Go, Mike, since you're wowing right. him. Yeah. No, I, I gave it three solid cans in the cooler. You know, I'm drinking a little bit. It's three cans. You know, it's, it's worth a watch. It's a ha- solid, solid finals match. It's good. How is half a can more a big wow <laughs> out of you? <laughs> from you, though. From you. That's, you're usually kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah no, you're the because, hardest on the, the match, yes. I would say. Just because you right. were high. You were like, okay. high. that's all. Yeah. I, I, don't, I wasn't with Val Venus, pal. Or the I don't think I could do uh, a three and a half, that's for sure. And I, I struggle to even go to three, honestly. But I'm going to keep it mm. at three because just to follow up on last week, we also forgot to mention this. JR continues to bury the Al Snow match big time in this. To the point where like, <laughs> Lawler tells him to shut up and he sounds serious. He's like, that's my son you're talking about. Stop burying my kid. <laughs> but as far as these guys go, this is the King of Ring finals. Come on. They could do a little bit better. But maybe this is the best that these guys can do at this point. Because you figure Shamrock's raw. Rock is still raw, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like Maybe if this give well, a couple it, more years and they give you like that true banger. But this is entertaining. Don't get me wrong. So I'm going 2.75. That's what. I well, got. the thing that's crazy is this is the this is the King of the Ring pay per view, and this right. is not the first obviously most memorable match off the card, 
And it's probably not even the second most memorable match off no, the card. Definitely not. You know, I almost forget that Shamrock won this King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, think I about remember. all the other King of the Rings. You, you Like, I remember, you remember Austin's win. You remember, I even remember Triple H. That's like Honestly, the main thing on the card. I remember the Rock versus Dan Severn more than I remember this match. <laughs> I'm so serious, I'm with because uh, the finish of, of that match, I remember like, yeah, clearly. Yes, that makes sense. I'm with with uh, Jim and Mike. I gave it three. I I couldn't go higher, and and I teetered with hitting three. Maybe maybe this for me was it coming out of the shit that we had in the first half of the card, right. and then I was like, all right, cool, yeah. oh, real totally. match. Like, let's yeah. go. It's a nice appetizer to uh, the. And I've said talked about appetizers a lot lately with this summer of 1998, but it's a nice kickoff. It's like right before the hell in the cell. cocktail, if you will. <laughs> so before we get to the uh, the 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 main event, um, what's in everybody's cooler? So the extra cooler show and what's in the cooler is brought to you by Sloop Brewing Company. Sloop Brewing is known for their hazy and golden IPAs like Juice Bomb and Super Soft. Be on the lookout for more coming from the extra cooler show and our favorite brewery, Sloop. Anybody bring a Sloop? Matt, I know you were there the other day. Uh, yes, I uh, I did go to Sloop. Uh, this past Saturday, uh, we had Tom from the Turnbuckle Tavern come up and hang out for a little bit. Uh, we did stop over at Sloop for him not being a beer guy. We found some Sloop beers that he uh, enjoyed, so I found it to be a uh, a good day. Um, but my beer comes from the second brewery we went to in Beacon, New York, the uh, Hudson Valley Brewery, which specializes in sour IPAs, and this one is no different. It's Hallison, which is the name of it here. And my favorite part about this brewery is how they describe their beers as well as their can art. So the can art That's is always awesome. done by uh, an artist. His name is Evan Cohen, and his artwork is tremendous. It's, it's always awesome. super detailed, uh, really fun, really colorful, and um, this one is no different. It almost looks like you're like on the on a different planet, looking at uh, some water and uh, sun reflection off the water. But it, it's it's really good. The beer itself is tremendous. It's a sour IPA, like I said, six point zero percent. But my favorite thing is how they describe the beers, and they have it in the menu when you're flipping through and, and ordering your beers. It says tastes like funfetti. Baked mango and vanilla ice cream. Um, so wow. this one is brewed with citra hops. It is tremendous. And uh, yeah, if you're into sours, if you can, I mean, you're not going to be able to unless you're in the Hudson Valley area. But if you can get your hands on some Hudson Valley brewery uh, beers, they are tremendous. So cheers. Before we move on, I just wanted to point out that Holocene, uh, I love the can art and everything, by the way, but uh, it's an homage to the geologic era that we live in. Ooh, it's like the nice. past eleven. It's like the past eleven thousand years. Mikey my, uh, Earth Science back. Yeah, Mikey, this. Mikey Earth Science right there. Mikey that Pumice. Mikey Pumice. Right. <laughs> so what do you got, Mikey Pumice? I got uh, OEC, not OC, not the club. Uh, summertime <laughs> Lager. The uh, OEC Brewing is in Oxford, Connecticut, and. Uh, it's a really good lager. It's it's goes down like water. It's it's delicious. And how's the how's like, the mouth feel? Oh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> num nums, yeah, num nums. <laughs> uh, it's brewed with Czech pilsner and Kara pils malts, and it's a double Dakashkin mash. What? <laughs> Come again? Yeah, That's ten times fast. <laughs> yeah. I, know. I brought I brought a Narragansett Fresh Catch. I 
can't even remember if I had this recently or no, if Matt had it. It's, <laughs> it, it, it. it's it's June. It's the end of the school year. I'm wiped out. I'm exhausted, and I'm ready for summer. So uh, I can't remember. Jim, I'll let you take over. Uh, I've got a uh, <clears throat> a special drink I made from this book I have called Booze and Vinyl. We pair uh, an album with a drink that they came up with. This one is for the Strokes. Is this it? That's the debut. It's a spicy uh, – uh, What's it called? Spicy lime and lager. So it's it's a Heineken, which the Strokes were famous for drinking when they came out, uh, with two bar spoons of Red Hot and then like a half an ounce of lime juice. It's actually really delicious. It sounds super weird, but it's almost refreshing in a weird hot sauce kind of way. Highly recommend. It gives the Heineken a little kick that it probably needs. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. Uh, so let's get started. We're all probably looking at the Discord channel because I am. Um, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted. Uh, I, I blame these guys on the Discord. Um, guilty. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna flip my phone over, and we're gonna continue things. And uh, let's check out the what I think is the main event here: the uh, the Undertaker versus Mankind. Their Hell in a Cell match. This is the second Hell in a Cell match. Um, you know, Bad Blood with Undertaker versus Sean was the first one in the fall. And this is easily one of wrestling's most iconic matches. Um, Probably mankind- the number one most uh, shocking moment. Number one most oh my god moment in Has wrestling history. Has to be. Um, so, yeah, I'd say. Easily. So let's let's start things off. Try and paint this picture for anybody that doesn't remember, um, because I w- went back and watched this. And as iconic as it is, you know, it's been a while. Like I feel like at this point, I've heard more stories about this match than I have watched it. And to rewatch it, it was I was absolutely hooked to my screen. Starts off, mankind comes out first with a chair. Uh, He scopes the cage out, throws the chair on top, and climbs the cage immediately. Um, This is also that era before they start putting the holes in the side of the steel cage, which I think is interesting, watching him struggle to get to the top. His music's playing all the while. JR is selling the hell out of mankind. Mick Foley... First and foremost, even before Foley comes out, they are selling the hell out of the structure itself. And it is like so well done. The way that King and JR are talking up the cell and talking up the match and how high stakes this is. It's and and you know, it was it was originally supposed to be Mankind and Austin, right? And then it was pivoted back to under not in the cell itself, but it was supposed to be a program between Mankind and Austin. Right. And mm-hmm. then they pivoted back to The Undertaker, who they had, you know, really come into this kind of cold from a storyline perspective. And then on top like of it, years. it was like, yeah, it was yeah. like their seventh pay-per-view match or something ridiculous like that. So I felt like they really did this tremendous job of just talking up the cell. And it was really like forward nah i mean it was really ominous on how they were speaking about it that's for that's, sure it really takes me back because i can remember thinking at the time that despite like what mikey workray just said that they've been feuding for two years this was felt like thrown in like almost nowadays like here's this other match that we're gonna put on but the cell job on the structure itself which this is only the second time we've seen this structure right in the first instance michaels and the undertaker a few months back or maybe a little more than half a year back is an all-time banger. So 
Oh yeah. You know you know you're getting something here when you're when you're watching. Yeah. And then, you know, Nick was talking about hearing all the stories in 2018 when it was the 20th anniversary. They went through and you heard the untold come out on the WWE network and you heard from Undertaker, you heard from Mankind about it. Then you had all of the, you know, the Undertaker documentary fully went out and did a whole like spoken word tour about the match itself and we constantly hear these stories of this match 20 now 25 years later and just how important it was to the lore of wrestling for sure you hear Pritchard's side of it on something uh oh yeah oh yeah to wrestle so, with. so i thought uh after mankind comes out and he climbs to the top of the cage i thought undertaker had a a, a kind of unique entrance i thought it was different from what i can remember he walks down and there's like three sets of flames he's got a broken foot here yeah he's he's working with a broken ankle i believe flames Um, those are like fireworks like exploding like on him it looks like you know literally there literally is probably like seven maybe eight feet between them each how huge yeah yeah, right as he goes through them um and it's they're so loud that they shake the camera um that that's right in front of him. So it's it's interesting. He comes right out. He comes out hot. Climbs up the cage. Mankind goes up to him before he gets up top. Um, again, like Mike said, it's really interesting because he's working very hurt, obviously. But as he said in a number of interviews, he's like, I, you know, this was the hottest the business ever was. Uh, he's like, I can't. You can't take time off during this, um, which is absolutely wild. Um, once he gets to the top of the cage, Taker takes some chair shots, um, and you can see as they walk across, the cage starts to break. It starts to pop, almost like, I don't know if they're linked with metal, like a fence zip would be, or, or zip something. ties. Yeah, they look like um, zip ties. But you can see them popping off. Um, and then it's it's almost, this is where re-watching this is so absolutely incredible, because it's slow with the two of them walking across the top, and then boom, out of nowhere, Undertaker just throws Mankind right off the cage, like very nonchalantly. Yeah, and you almost forget how fast that happens and how early on that happens in the match. Yeah. Um, and and to, before I, we, I want to listen to that clip, but before we do, Foley says in in one of the interviews he talks about how he knew there was absolutely no way that they could top Bad Blood. Uh, because of the worker that Sean was and Undertaker. So he was like, how can we, we top him? And, A healthy Undertaker know, at that time, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You've got com- he had conversations with Terry Funk, and like I, mm-hmm. I think one of them suggested going off the top. Yeah, and, Terry, so, and, and then he, obs- he obsessed over it for like two weeks beforehand. Talking, uh, he's talking about this in the Untold. Yeah. So, if you haven't gone on the WWE Network and watched Untold, it was a whole series. It was really cool series, but this one to me was probably the best. It started out yes. episode one, season one, episode one is talking about Hell in the Cell, and Foley is talking about how, um, Terry Funk was the one that was just like, just start up on top of the cage. <laughs> and he goes up there and he was like, yeah, okay. And he said it as a joke. And then Foley just sat with it and sat with it and sat with it. And he was like, we got to do this. Like, yeah. And just as Nick said, it was about how do we one up what was right, one of right. the greatest matches you've ever seen. And Sean takes a bump off the middle of the outside of the cage on that one. Mm-hmm. So Foley's got to one up him, and there you go. And, Man, I guess he iconic. tried to convince Undertaker for like two weeks straight yeah. to do it, and Undertaker like just kept brushing him off over and over again. 
And then the other side of it was that um, Foley talks about it again on the Untold piece. He uh, he said that Vince came up to him and asked him, how are you feeling about it? Have you been up there? And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm great. I'm great. I was up there earlier. And he was like, I had, it was one of the biggest lies I had ever told in my entire life was mm-hmm. telling Vince that I had been up there. Wow. <laughs> so wait, so, so you have the audio for that I have clip, right? One we, of the most iconic calls in in wrestling history. So let's listen to it. What's gonna happen here? Undertaker fighting back. He's fighting back. That round above us, folks. And I don't walk it a damn bit. Oh my god. It's it's so goddamn unbelievable. You know, like something that they I I couldn't find this information, and I would love to know. I would love to know if King and Jr., especially Jr., if he was tipped off about any of this because the way the call goes down, so. it's so I, natural, and his reaction, and even King's, is is so incredibly like like how exactly how you would imagine reacting watching this man come down on a table next to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jr. Jr. has said that he knew the finish, but he didn't know what was going to happen in the match. So it was completely. Um, so on again, I'm I'm going to reference the untold a bunch of times, but here it is again. Jr. said that everything you heard was from him was spontaneous and real. Those were the two words that he used to describe his his iconic wow. iconic call. And listening to Jr. Uh, I'm sorry, listening to the King, just how serious he sounds and how like, oh, God, like, oh, God. Oh, my God. It it, it wasn't a puppy's call. It wasn't a jovial jumping out of his seat, Jerry the King Lawler. This was legitimate, genuine concern for Mick Foley, who's now underneath. Literally, his head is underneath the rumble, uh, the rubble of this table. No, not moving. And, And to go back to Nick's point before. It happened so fast. Like these guys are probably just settling into this match, right? Oh, easily, it's like ninety seconds. <laughs> Not only that, but you, as as fans watching, the angle at which it's shot is yeah. from way up above in the hard uh-huh. cam, and you don't see Foley. He just disappears, and you're yeah. like, "Holy shit! What just happened? Did this dude just go off the cage and then crash?" You hear this huge crash, and. Then you finally, on the replays, you see it from the other angle with the cameraman looking up, which is like unbelievable that oh, they yeah. were able to oh, capture that on film. It's and it is wild. Can you, as I watched it, because they replay it, like obviously he's okay because of the fact that they replay it as many times as they do. But can you imagine sitting in the front row or even in like that section watching this man come down and the they're way get he hit. comes down? Yeah, oh, easily. He's and he's a big bodied Huge. man, like Huge. like a thick piece of meat coming you off that practice that. They didn't practice that obviously. No. no. And, and and furthermore, just, nobody yeah. must have known because they leave the tape they leave the the uh television, the monitors in the table, which Oof. they always pull those things out of that table. Yeah. 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 The the I, margin for error on this was insane. And like uh, hearing taker like and even watching on all taker, of these bumps yeah seriously but in on this one in particular like 
Undertaker isn't doing much aside from touching Foley. Foley is the one that's yes. like has to control his entire body, his entire yep. fall throughout this. And honestly, he lands it pretty perfectly. Oh, yeah. If you're really like talking stuntman style fall from what, 20, 30 feet in the air? Like, yeah. un- unbelievable that he was able to just essentially, of course, concussion it was, was it inevitable at this point, even though we'll talk about that more later, I'm sure. But really, the only mm-hmm. injury at that point aside from the concussion, which I guess is no joke, but is a separated shoulder, essentially, because mm-hmm. now Foley is on the ground. Yeah, and at this point. At this point, he's <laughs> like talking to the, the doctors and, and Terry Funk, who's one of the first ones out there, talking something about his shoulder, my shoulder, my shoulder. Yeah, he takes his ma- mankind mask. I think that's what everybody forgets is that this match is mankind versus yeah. Undertaker. Yeah. And Even like he loses, the, he loses the mask like pretty right after the fall. That's the mm-hmm. first thing he does is he takes it off as Terry Funk's standing over him. Yeah. So go back and, to that. Um, yeah, go ahead. All my notes have like, I wrote mankind and then I would write Foley all the time too. Like it was just, uh-huh. it was, it was cool. It takes you out of that suspension of disbelief, right? It, it, you are totally in this. Yeah. You've got, you, you, so you like on top of it. Is over. Yeah, on top of oh, it, yeah. yeah, you get you get guys like Slaughter's out there with Terry Funk. Vince comes out there, like it, because he was concerned. They're not playing like role, you know no. their roles. Um, He's you know, dead. Yeah. Jim Ross says, "Get off your butt in the back and get out there." <laughs> um, you know, you got Doctor Francois Petit, that oh, classic yeah. <laughs> like French doctor who was just like a like yoga instructor. Which actually, I know we're talking pretty serious about this match, but do you know what Doctor Francois Petit is from? No. Nobody. The he plays, no, he plays he plays Sub Zero in Mortal Kombat. Nice. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that's that. a fun fun fact. The original Mortal Kombat movie? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Francois Petit. Anyway, um, but you know, you got Slaughter holding that mankind mask down the aisle. Um, it's pretty interesting how they raise the cage to get him on the stretcher and they wheel him about halfway down the aisle and uh he he pops right back up. He pops up like nothing's wrong. It's it's insane. Yeah, seriously. He pops up like nothing's there. Taker's on top of the cage, by the way, as the cage is lifting like off the ground. Yeah, that's um, insane too. Actually. Fans are fans are chanting Undertaker too, which is pretty almost sick yeah. at this point. You think, right? Because yeah. they have no idea. You know, and this is while he's still getting carted off fully. That is. Yeah. yeah, I thought the Undertaker chants were really interesting. I was like, wait, why are they chanting for the Undertaker? We watched this live back in the day, right? And yes. I, re- I can remember hearing that and being like, geez, it's, uh, <laughs> is that in like, bad taste? You know, like the guys, like, we thought the match was over at the time for sure. And oh, just, easily. You know, the chanting and, and all that. So then he comes back down the ring, like towards the ring. The cage has been lowered at this point. He then proceeds to climb back up to the top of the cage. He takes a, a right headbutt and then instantly takes a choke slam off off the top through so, the cage. Lawless what like, I he's fo- dead. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was really interesting too is that Undertaker even starts climbing down from the cage. And then yes. the like as Mick Foley gets up off the stretcher, starts walking back, he immediately goes back up and Undertaker has to be like, Oh shit, all right, here we go it's again. Crazy bastard. And the crowd erupts oh, yeah. as these two are coming up the cage on opposite sides. And then yeah, like as iconic as that fall off of the cell is, the one through <sighs> the cell 
is even more dangerous it, and even more insane. And I have that so, clip too if it, you want to listen to it. Yeah, it's so ugly. Yeah, I'll let you play the clip, then we can talk more about it. Now if, a, if he throws him up on the other side, there's... It's man, wild. Man. He, uh, Mick Foley talks about how like he was just like inches away from like killing himself the yeah. way he landed. Yeah, they said yeah. he said if he didn't, he like it's his worst sell of a move ever. Like if he jumped up properly, like yes. he would, but he he can barely get up. So he gets like if he was up higher, he would have tilted in midair and landed on the back of his head or or almost like a ninety degree angle is what he said. So That's he gets insane. he gets choke slammed through. He lands the bottom, and you see instantly. Everybody bum oh, rushes into the middle of the ring, and <laughs> Terry Funk's in there. And Terry Funk goes in, and Terry Funk takes a choke slam that is so big he's choke slammed out of his sneakers, <laughs> out of his like sketchers. Yeah. Now, man, the Undertaker who is just standing above him. <laughs> they said, and and talking about and, and researching it more, and listening to Pritchard on something to wrestle with, the spot was planned. But it wasn't planned to go on the first move, on the first choke slam. So the choke slam was supposed to like break the uh, the zip ties that you see sprinkled around the ring at this point. And the cage was supposed to give a little bit and then take another Just bump, like a little give indent, a little bit. Indent, indent. Yeah, exactly. And then take a third one. And essentially, the bump was supposed to be like taking a bump off of the top rope that the cage would be lowered that far. And instead, on the very first choke slam, this dude not only falls, but thank goodness that Undertaker was on the like support beams because if he was on the oh cage God. that gave away, Undertaker he said he would have went right down on top of Foley, and who knows what would have happened oh at God, that point. To both of them. But instead, yeah, Taker's Foley legs would have been mangled from something like that easily, and he's working with a broken ankle on top of that, so bone chips in his ankle, I think it was. But regardless, like. Thank God he was on the support beam, and the only thing that fell on Foley was a metal folding chair, which hit him directly in the mouth. What is wrong with these people in Pittsburgh that through that that second that choke slam <laughs> just said the it right there happens, that the choke slam <laughs> happens, and they're still chanting for the Undertaker. Like I, I'm I'm baffled as this is happening. So it's at this point we finally see some Foley offense. Where wait uh, wait, wait. You, you're gonna gloss over when he looks like Tua Tagloba uh, standing <laughs> up and just, <laughs> just falling over when he gets hit. Right? There's <laughs> no concussion there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no concussion there for Mick. He uh, it's funnier because Nick's a Dolphins fan. He he bumps so, into that top rope takes out undertaker finally uh and like i said we finally get some offense i don't know how this man is moving yeah but uh so the um what do you call it the producer of the match is uh pat patterson right mm -hmm. and up here, uh, on something to wrestle with bruce pritchard is saying that he's going nuts because this wasn't supposed to happen like uh, he's trying to find Pat Patterson. Where's Pat Patterson? Where the F is Pat Patterson? So uh, apparently Pat Patterson got a phone call, and yeah, that same night he lost his longtime partner. Yeah, and, uh, pretty wild. Really messed yeah. up, yeah. So during the middle of the match, Louie 
he gets phone call about Louie and disappears essentially. And Briscoe, right. uh, as he, as he tells it, Briscoe tells, uh, Pritchard, Pritchard, who was freaking out, like, where's where's Patterson he tells yeah. him about Louie and he's like all right game the show must go on he's in the middle right. of it so yeah like so talk about that, another layer yeah man like and that's a layer that you don't necessarily hear about I feel no. like I don't I didn't I hear only heard about, about that, that recently yeah until Pritchard like yeah it's yeah it's wild absolutely wild it's it and then so re-watching this match right so from start to finish it left I think like close to 18 minutes and then I I completely forgot about the the thumb the thumbtacks that happened. Oh, yeah. Like it's you know we've had the throw off the top, we've had the choke slam through the top, and then we get the thumbtack tease back and forth. Um, where you know Taker takes a pile driver at one point, uh, the mandible on the claw chair almost, busts him open. Yeah, mandible claw almost knocks Taker off. Uh, and then all of a sudden he picks up Foley for a piggyback ride and, and drops him on top of the, the thumbtacks. First and I'm off, sitting there. Uh, How is this yeah. possible? Well, before he gets dumped on the tax, you said uh, Mankind pile drives him and gets the mandible claw. Mankind almost wins after those two crazy bumps, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is Seriously. nuts. And he's I, going, he's going full bore here too. You know, like yep. he's not holding back. He's it. It barely looks like if you just started watching the match later after the falls, you'd be like, "Oh, it's just you know, yeah. normal match." You know. And I'm and I'm like I I skipped over the part before the thumbtacks come in. Foley has the wherewithal to go over to the corner because he's busted open. He's got the hole in his lip. His tooth is hanging out of his nose, <laughs> and he <laughs> looks crazy. over. And he's he's sticking his tongue through the hole, and he talks about in the Untold how he realized that the hole was there, and he thought, "What can I do to make this look like even yeah. more gruesome than it is?" So he stuck his tongue through the hole. Uh, I love on that. I JR thought it was a asks, boogie. Yeah, Jr. asks, <laughs> uh, "What's in his nose?" Like, he, but he has his own idea. Which gets Lawler, though, to say he speculates that maybe it's part of the table or something. But then Jr. just goes simply three words he goes maybe a tooth and Lawler yeah. gives this kind of honest reaction he's like oh he's like almost like yeah he like he believes what jr saying he's like oh god that's is that what that is it's such Und- a fun little exchange undertaker even says in those interviews too that he thought it was just this massive booger hanging yeah. out of yeah. his nose and then he was like oh shit it's a tooth <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh man so you know he he takes these bumps on the tacks. He takes a choke slam on the tack again, and then eventually he uh, takes a tombstone, he, which he finally ends really the match. Hit, he doesn't really fall onto the tacks, but he rolls on yeah, them. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> so, like I said, Taker hits the tombstone, finally ends the match. Um, this is the first time in the WWF we've seen anything like this, anything close oh, yeah. to this. Doctors come in immediately to check on Foley. Foley refuses to leave on a stretcher, um, which I guess apparently he asks uh, Mike Kyoto, who isn't the referee in the match, he asks him, have I been on a stretcher? Mm-hmm. And Kyoto tells him, tells him yes twice. And he goes, I can't be on a stretcher a third time. I, I just <laughs> can't. So he refuses to take the stretcher at the end. Um, and it's wild. He receives a standing ovation, which is rare um, at this point especially. And then finally we get the Foley chance. And as they're literally the other doctor comes out and he's plucking these thumbtacks out of the side of his arm. 
Mac yeah, Mac. and just the look of how many thumbtacks are on his boots is yeah. insane. It was thousands, they said, thousands. And, and Pritchard actually said that uh, they sterilized all of them first, yes. which I thought was really interesting. And also, Terry Funk is out there to help, and he still has no shoes on, in case yes. anybody's yeah. wondering. He's, he's walking fully to the back. <laughs> so uh, also, Pritchard said that when they go to the back, Foley asks him, sorry, I didn't do the thumbtack spot. <laughs> yes. Pritchard's, Pritchard's yeah. like, but you did. He's like, he's got thumbtacks sticking yes. all out of him. Yeah, oh yeah. My God. It's, it's wild. Foley also tells the story of Vince coming up to him and being like, I appreciate everything you did tonight for this company, yeah. but I never want to see anything like that ever again. Wild, man. Insane. It, I... <laughs> I think we we are a hundred and what seven episodes in on this podcast, and f- very few matches have gripped me rewatching them like this one did this past week. Uh, yeah. This to me, this exceeds five cans in a cooler. If I could give it more cans in a cooler, I would. And not because it's a great wrestling match. It's not a great no. wrestling match. It's just it is sports entertainment and. It's a spectacle. Yeah, it's, and there's so many. Yeah, there's so many people involved too. Like when you think about it, like Foley and Undertaker are obviously the the key parts, but King and Law, uh, yeah, King and Jr. are huge. Like it's it, yeah. you need all four of them to get this done. This so, helps make Jr. and, and Lawler too. Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. As much as it makes that, mankind. That's it a good makes point. them too also. That's an incredible point. I never thought about. Like we talked about how iconic the calls were. We listened to both of them, but like I never I never really put together what this did for those two and how oh, yeah. especially JR. JR in particular. Yeah, like that's something you'll hear forever and will be a meme and will be something that, you know, is played over and over and over again, even outside of a wrestling space, which is insane. And Nick, I think you're right. Like five cans is, is the no brainer here. Like, how do you go any other way? Because it's not about the work rate. It's not in the ring. It's about the spectacle. I was watching this in a different way, doing my homework. Usually it's either I'll put it on the TV or I'll watch it on an iPad or I'll just kind of be doing other things. But this time I sat down and I was glued to how I was watching it. And I was just so engulfed in this that there's no other thing but to give it five and say, if you haven't seen it in a long time, now's the time. Go back yeah, and rewatch 20, it. 25 years. Yeah, it's Matt, insane. you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to talk about how we, you know, on the show we talk about the work rate, yada, yada. But this is an all-time spectacle. And, and Foley's a goddamn legend. He gets up and, and goes full bore the entire match. And really, obviously, you know, the thumbtacks are one thing, but you remember the two falls in this match, right? That's the big mm-hmm. the highlights. Yep. And the first one is, to me, it's art, right? Like, that first fall is just art, right? That's a painting, like oh, him yeah. turning in midair. I was going to say before, during that clip, um, the call and everything, and the crashing through the table, but the the audience reaction in that moment where it just, like, it, oh, they make this unique noise that, like, is singular, in any wrestling thing I've ever watched, right? Like it's a one second thing. It's like this high pitched thing that they just rise. And for me, that's like the memory more than like the sight of it or anything. Yeah. Just hearing the crowd, like <gasps> it's like a collective gasp almost, yeah. right? That's what yeah, I was it say, is. It's, so good. it's so interesting. It's so unique. But 
that you know that that's art there and then the second fall is just brutality right yes yeah. and so it's like the yin and the yang and it's kind of like um foley's career in a nutshell usually like they're a match together it. but this they're like separated and pulled out into like these two different falls i i and think you just put it put it like yeah. beautifully like you nailed yeah. that the first fall is is smooth it looks so smooth, smooth the way it hits so but then the second one is brutality oh, like it's you hard said. to watch i could yeah. watch the first one yeah <laughs> i mean it could it go wrong and he does get hurt yes of course but and let's it's, it's, we haven't even talked about the fact that they did this how many months years after owen tragedy like it's kind of like before before oh this sorry before. this is before, yeah, before. this is before hey, i'm if sorry the owen, if the owen it, was right before this then and they did that oh happen. my god no they yeah. i doubt this would have happened yeah i was right. gonna ask i apologize before. yeah no no yeah no way that they even dare i, I yeah. don't think right obviously so. owen's on the card you idiot <laughs> <laughs> real quick we all watched this at my aunt and uncle's house and less than a year before i watched the tyson holyfield 2 which is the ear fight so every time i watched yeah. a pay-per-view at my aunt and uncles i was like man this is like some <laughs> yeah insane, you gotta come here more often <laughs> yeah like some insane thing happens i'm like pay-per-views are awesome <laughs> so so uh, go ahead Mike. wait what are your yeah, cans was, what are your cans jim five five okay yeah i'm, I'm gonna give it five too and i just want to say this one thing before uh, we go and this is probably the number one match you show to a non-wrestling fan if you really yes point. excellent point right i'm really gonna still yeah, say tlc it's, it's... at wrestlemania uh 17 uh, okay i i or this or we i'll see one of those yeah <laughs> gone so too far I, pal Nah, i don't know uh Meltzer <laughs> gives it a four and a half but i there was there was something in the Observer that I wanted to read, and it's a little long, so I'm sure I'll stumble on my way through it. But um, first and foremost, he talks about how Foley was in the crowd for Jimmy Snuka and how him going off the top of the cage at MSG was his moment, right? And Foley was always inspired by that. You see it in like the Dude Love videos of him jumping off the top of a garage onto mattresses and stuff like that. But the take that Meltzer had in the observer was a really, really interesting one. And I'm just going to dive in. So the question becomes, where does the business go from here for Foley? Sure. There's a one-way ticket right to, uh, right into every mythological pro wrestling hall of fame. And in one night he turns himself into a bona fide pro wrestling legend, a status he will, uh, a status he will pretty well close, uh, be close to anyway, several hundred thousand people, saw the match live around the world and though the mag- and through the magic of videotape and endless replays those bumps will be viewed by tens of millions before the end of the week exponentially more by the end of time foley got up and while he was emerged unscathed would be far from the truth but he didn't break any bones and he didn't even wind up in a long hospital stay from the blows that literally could have ended his life it, he'd had been a few inches off his landing the first time the scary part is not what we just saw, but what we will witness next. And I thought that was just tremendous way of putting it. And just thinking about the evolution from the first Hell in the Cell, where Foley took this one and feeling like he had to one-up them. And then where does the industry go from here was a really cool like take on this spectacle that we just saw. You could, you could argue yeah, that it's like... 
it's it's rare that we would say that Dave Meltzer said something beautifully, uh, but like when you think about this, you could we could sit here and talk for another half hour hour about the flip side of things about yeah. like negatively how this match sure. could be viewed, um, you know, but because of the fact that it turned out okay, you know, I think we can appreciate it. But it, as I'm watching it, I'm like, man. One little thing goes wrong, and we're not even looking at this match. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's life, yeah. right? Like it's yeah, you know, little an inch, you know, it's a game mm-hmm. of inches, and goes if, the other way. Um, we're all like, oh, condemning, like they sh- Vince never should have let them, you know, do whatever, whatever, right? But right, yeah, it worked. It worked out. It if worked. You, if yeah. you compared WWE to say NFL, would you say that Mick getting thrown off the cage was like? The catch in the NFL, something like that. Mm. Oh, you're, interesting. You're, you're playing on my Niners heartstrings. I, I feel like it's a hard comparison to make. Like, there's iconic moments that in, that happen in sports that are associated with victories. Like this one, it's it's associated with a loss. Like it's it's I guess. it's insane. I, and I'm not trying to like yeah. I, it's I hard. But do you yeah, if, but if do you associate that, this with a like loss? A, it's got to be a devastating tackle or some like a you know some sort of bone. Lawrence crunching. Taylor breaks uh, Joe Theismann's leg. Yeah, I was about but, to say that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's comparable. Like, I don't think it's I, it's glory. Is this a glorious match? No, right? Like, it's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. I mean, it's that's the best iconic. Way to, I don't yeah, know. I get what Mike's saying though. Yes. Yeah. I see. I don't associate this with a Foley loss. I don't associate this like I. I I still, after watching it, I could care less about who won the exactly. match because right. there's so many right. things that happen. But I think and you celebrate it, though. Do you celebrate this match? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's, Probably not. It's Jim funny, said it better. I, I know what you're saying. Jim said it better that like those those sports moments are about glory, about victory, and this one right. is about like brutality and a moment and something that was a spectacle and insane it's glory to watch for mankind though. Glory, it's, for yeah, man. it's, hell yeah, it's Mick Foley. It's about Mick Foley, right? Like, that's yeah, what this is. Right. it's his superfly yeah, moment. And he Touché. said it. In, he said it himself, right? Later in those, I think in those uh, one man shows he did, he said that he never really got it, right? He never understood because he hated being asked about it. But then he finally realized when his kids were like to his kids and a younger generation, it was that snook a moment for them. So then he, it clicked for him. So I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. It's all right. It's, it's a spectacle, man. And I'm so happy that we've covered it, but, uh, hell yeah, man, quick, we got to go back. Question. Anybody that's listening to this has to go back and rewatch it. You like, just spend the 20 minutes and go rewatch it. And I'll give you 20 bucks right now. If you can name what <laughs> Helena cell three is the third one after this, what follows this? <laughs> What do you got? Big boss man, big boss man, taker. Oh damn it! I owe you ten dollars, twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What a letdown! It's, it, they, yeah. Maybe they intentionally did a stinker just to like reset. You know, cool the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Cool the crowd. Like I said, like I said, if you haven't watched this match in a while, go back and rewatch it. Uh, you know, for us to collectively give it five stars is is unique. I think uh, I know it happens every so often, um, but. Believe it or not, there is still another match on this card. And we've got our our championship match. It is a first blood match for the WWF Championship. Kane with Paul Bearer versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. We get we get a, a, a preview which lets us know that if Kane loses, he'd have to set himself on fire. We get a video package of Kane versus Undertaker in a number one contender match. 
<laughs> the, the promo is is pure fire. It oh is. my god, the shot, the shot that uh Austin hits mankind with the chair is is brutal. It's basically like a a a story of all four of these guys with right. Austin, Mankind, Undertaker, and Kane all involved. And I think one of the things Vince. they said on Pritchard, yeah, Vince. And one of the things they say on Pritchard is basically the reason why it is the way it is is because Austin's working hurt. He just came off of a staph infection in that elbow, which is heavily wrapped. A weird all from pad, that, yeah. like, the, yeah. yeah, from the Looks carry nasty. bloodbath. Uh, it, it looks like a volleyball knee pad. It's like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's got to be nasty. So that's why they're separate and Taker and Austin are not working together. Um, but there's gl- cans of gasoline that are set up around the ring and uh, the crowd absolutely erupts when the glass breaks. Like, which it's is amazing. insane to think. Yeah, no, coming off go. the other match. Like, that, we, it's we exactly need an, what I, we I was going to say. Where's like an ivory match or someone like that? No offense <laughs> right. to ivory. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. right. Stick like the head and shoulders Rock, here. Was, uh, Put the head and shoulders right Trish here. Trish Stratus versus Jazz versus. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> uh, they, but, but the, hey, Pittsburgh gets up for this, so. Yeah. yeah so Austin comes in hot with belt shots to Kane, takes the cover <laughs> off the top turnbuckle immediately because, of course, they're going for blood right away. Now, how how have we gotten into this match already and we haven't talked about Kane and his gear? Right. This, th- we're in a first blood match. I, I know. I, that was this, my next point, literally my next note. How, is, how the hell dude, is Kane going to bleed? Or how are we going to see blood when Kane is barely showing any skin? The only skin you see is his left hand. Everything yeah. else is covered. He wears one glove. He's got double length sleeves. He's got he damn well he has a freaking turtleneck on. <laughs> yeah, it's I usually just, one I sleeve. I don't show skin on the first date. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, it makes King sense points that, it out. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He does. Um, but it makes sense that eventually in this match, Austin is trying to ram the back of his head into that exposed turnbuckle yeah. because there's no other way that this dude is going to bleed. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the storytelling of the cards are stacked against Austin, but man, man, it's bizarre. So um, as they start to battle on the outside, it's really bizarre because the cage just out of nowhere starts to lower. Um, and uh, it starts lowering where it's like right over Austin's neck. Like Kane is using it in his favor. And this is when uh, like JR this. starts questioning. I do too. He's questioning, asking over and over again, who's lowering the cage? Why are they lowering the cage? Um, you know, it's they, someone there's says just it might some... be error. And then uh, uh, I think JR says, or maybe someone with more power or something like something to that effect. Right. Isn't it obvious? It's probably Vince like, Right. Right. I mean, they never really allude to it, like, which is kind of interesting. I thought that JR never at one point says, oh, that bastard, you know, like referring to Vince doing it because Vince is full on heel here. Yeah, they're more confused about it, which is a weird way to sell it. I, I don't quite get it. So right where they have the door, the door is wide open of the cage. There's like a bar at the bottom of it, and uh, where the, the door is, yeah, yeah, where the door is, the cane, the cage starts to raise as Kane is like lo- laying on top of that bar, yeah. and he's like teetering like a good seven feet above the ground, and Austin finally flips him off, and uh, it's at this point where Austin has a little bit of blood 
on his back showing and this is where JR has to get creative and he keeps telling us that Earl Hepner's made it clear he's not stopping the match for a scratch or a bloody nose yeah something significant they called it I thought it was a really good way of recovering Definitely. from something that could have ended a yeah, match oh, really a fast they must have yeah. had that in their back pocket right they had to have um, especially when you're working with like a cage on the outside how can you not expect any type of blood um, or like any sort of debris that they didn't clean up from the match previous yeah right another um, thumbtack <laughs> so Vin, they show highlights of Vince and Sable looking on from the suite yeah. uh, as the two like wrestle up the ramp Kane takes a desk fan to the face which you can like <laughs> hear the plastic crack on him um, he throws him into Earl Hepner uh jr is screaming that we need another ref uh, as the action finally heads back to the ring that that hebner bump is pretty stiff <laughs> it, uh, yeah and hebner mind you just missed wrestlemania for medical reasons oh man and that's he like takes the, this nasty bump yeah. into the guardrail which is the bike like the, the bicycle guardrails yep. not the uh padded ones oh, that yeah. you see now those so, look unforgiving Jeff's, did you notice the uh, guy in the crowd with the um the other side jackass austin shirt i, I did not like I feel like that's the one that's uh, forgotten about that shirt. Yeah, what you did, don't really what, see to that too much. What did it mean? Well, what's on the other side? I never understood that. Was did that the DTA? That Was it DTA? I don't know. I don't know. Just I don't know. Now we got to look it up. There's, our, Ted. there's the homework for the week. I got it. Yeah, Ted. Call <laughs> Ted. And then, so at this point, right, they head back to the ring, and then we get none other then Mick Foley. Foley's coming out, wow. and he's got a, How is this man walking out there with a chair? This was all planned, obviously. Um, the the cage lowers, and Foley eats a stunner from Austin. <laughs> what would they Kane, have done if he got, like, real, like, way more hurt? I don't know. Had I the guys get with in the like... Burger King hats in the front <laughs> yeah, row yeah, yeah. and the Kane face paint join in? <laughs> Whatever that Apple VR thing is that just came out, I wonder if it lets you like go into Foley's shoes. I would love to know oh, what no, it feels like right now heading back to the ring. Like, What does his body oh. even feel like? I can't even imagine. The body, the headache, like Jesus. I'm sure yeah, he's He must be like on land. another planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shoot and this is a guy something. that doesn't like medicate or self-medicate, mind you. So, uh, you know, he's probably on a different planet right now. Um, so he goes, uh, he, here comes Undertaker in his black crew neck sweater, uh, a sweatshirt, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Um, but his other, his shirt did get ripped on the other, uh, the other match. But he goes <laughs> to take out Mankind with the chair, as does Austin. They both missed. Um, and Austin takes the chair to the face that's cuts himself open. Yeah, uh, you immediately see him gigging himself. In the oh God. Yeah. Taker, <laughs> Taker doesn't realize it. Taker throws Hepner in the ring. And then he's like going to wake him up. Like, dude, okay. This is the weirdest ending because yes. this Taker, makes no sense. Taker yeah. just hit Austin with the chair accidentally. Right. And you're coming out to help Austin. But then you throw Earl Hepner back in the ring. You douse him with gasoline to wake him up so that you can help Austin. But Hepner looks up and sees Austin's face covered in blood as Kane lays in the middle of the ring after Austin's chair shot. Hepner calls the match. Kane's our new champion. We never see him or Paul Bearer with the title as they go off the air. All we see is Vince, like, smiling in the booth. Goodness, wow, that's a cuts to credits real fast what the oh heck? yeah it does uh man that's a really good point that you never see kane 
or better with the title. No. That's that's crazy. And Jr. Uh, Jr. Smelling the smell of uh, selling the smell of gas was all. My God, those fumes are just horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> now, do they? Is this what? Well, I guess we're gonna get there. I don't want to. You know, this isn't a homework question because uh, in August we're or yeah, in August we're gonna cover SummerSlam 1998. But I'm curious. How, because I don't really recall how they set up Taker versus Austin at SummerSlam. This is and, part of it. And I know, obviously, this plays a role in it. Um, but this ending is really sloppy, which I guess if you want to take the title off Austin, like, you kind of have to this Does way. They get it back for a night. night. Yeah, for a yeah. night. Yeah. On Monday Night Raw, uh, he they, they come out and Kane is introed as the new champion in the opening segment. Uh, Austin comes out. And disputes that Kane isn't the one who busted him open, so he demands a rematch. And then he defeats Kane in the main event of the pay-per-view, and he has a face-to-face with The Undertaker, which ends up with Taker eating a stunner, and I'm sure that we're off to the races going to SummerSlam. Yeah, Highway to hell. We're not off to the races. We're on a highway to hell, pal. Well well done. Well done. Well done. (laughs) All right. Kane's in the cooler. Who wants to go first for this one? How do you – I mean (laughs) – I'll go. Um, it's hard to follow. How, how does it? How do you follow the previous match? Uh, but it's still fun. The promos fire. Um, it's physical. It's pretty brutal. You've got mankind. Yeah. You've got Undertaker showing up. I, I'm going to give it a three point seven five. It's it's Austin kind of nice. at the height of his WWF powers. I'd say right coming off the W the WrestleMania title win. I think maybe that's generous. I don't know. You guys let me Actually, know. well, I gave it a three and a half cans. Yeah, that's I where I'm was at. A, I thought it was a classic Attitude Era main event. It's it's like a good brawl. They made good use of like the atmosphere, like the cage coming down was good and everything. Um, it never really got boring, so. No, that's exactly. That's a really good point. This match goes about 15 minutes, and to me, it never really went and got boring and to like follow up what they just did at hell in the cell was is pretty tough i was i'm right there with you i gave it a three and a half and this well. podcast is not generally a fan of kane correct right no. like i'm kind of no, into kane here yeah like, he doesn't but he's he's good he's he looks like a yeah. horror movie star in this one with the especially with the full this is when kane body was at his best yeah the music is awesome man. yeah i i'm the high man again i'm going for cans in the cooler i it was extremely unique. And even though that the stipulations were out of this world insane between the, I will light myself on fire <laughs> to like the, the actual Kane's bodysuit that I guess is to make you think that they're actually going to light him on fire. Is that the, <laughs> is that the point of it? Yeah. Like, ah, man, but all of this being said, it was extremely unique. The match was ex- it was interesting. It was something that I went back and watched again of like, all right, this is a one-match card. Like, this is just hell in the cell. It's the only thing I want to see. And I maybe I need to watch my and do my homework in the way that I did this week where I was so insanely locked in. But, man, it was – I'm going four cans in the cooler. I loved it. And It could be one of the more overlooked uh, matches of all time, yes. right? Oh, Absolutely. easily. Yeah, yeah. Nobody talks about it because you just came out of the shoes of Hell in the Cell. Yeah. Uh, Meltzer gave Meltzer? it three, yeah. three and a quarter. Okay. That's fair. I mean, like, yeah, I, I agree. Argue. And Austin has a, some great lines in that promo. He's talking about like, 
Austin, <laughs> Stone Cold's gonna throw another log on the fire. Like, <laughs> that's good. That is good. <laughs> it's it's good stuff. So uh, I guess we need to give it a quick cans oh and cooler overall for this event. I'll go first. Uh, the beginning half of this event is painful. Last week was very difficult to get through. But then you look at the back half. And, man, it, it's almost similar to what a, the last pay-per-view that AEW just put out. Um, you know, Stole it's words out of like my mouth. Two or three match card, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's back heavy. So I can't go ahead and I can't give it like a four can in the cooler. Uh, I I have a hard time because of how iconic the match is going below a three and a half. Um, so I, I, I'm going three and a half overall. I feel like that was the the general like rating that we gave most matches. But you did say you'd give this match, or at least the McFoley uh, Undertaker match, more than a five, which would, you know. Yeah, it tips the scales. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe this is a case of, uh, what's the expression, like a rising tide lifts all boats or something like that. So... Uh, I'm gonna give it a four. I'm gonna do it. I'm giving it a four. Plus, we watched it live yeah. together, so I'm I could go four. For it. I could go. Yeah. You raised me to four. You know why I didn't want to give it a four? Because I didn't want someone to come back at me and say, "Well, you would have said AEW wasn't that high." Yeah, because you know what? This wasn't a seven-hour show. <laughs> you know what? This this is your show. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. It didn't have mankind and like the number one moment in wrestling. Yeah. Yes. yes. Exactly. I'm going to four. Yeah. I'm going it's to four. Two two hours and like forty-five minutes. So I'm not gonna let those AEW marks get to me. I had the same mentality when I was trying to rate this. And I actually remembered to write down a cans in the cooler for it. And I thought to the double or nothing pay-per-view that it was truly felt like a two match card. This was the same way based on my rating. We can say two and a half because I enjoyed the shamrock and rock match. So I'm going three and a half cans and it was an abomination. in The first half, it was like, Holy shit, it's one of those like examples of, you know, people always say, Oh, if you go back and watch the attitude error, it's not that good. Like <laughs> Yes, this is a perfect like, example. This is a perfect example of the front half of the card of that being true. But the back half of the card is why we all look at the attitude error in such a amazing light, or at least most of us, Carl. Yep. But anyway, <laughs> like I I'm going three and a half because this is something that for all the right reasons you should be going back and watching. This is reminiscent of uh, Survivor Series 97, yes, where the f- yes. first uh, part of the yeah. card we covered was like absolute dog Headbangers. Shit. Yeah. Again. <laughs> Headbangers. Headbangers, again. a reoccurring theme. Sorry, Sorry Glenn. Fawn dicking around on there. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, but no, but it, in this, you know, but there was, a, there was a couple of decent matches in the first <laughs> half. Yeah, I'm sticking with my four. The first half had shoulders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but hey, so. it had way to, shoulders. Way to, way to put a <laughs> period under the sentence there. Perfect. I'm just. <laughs> did Mike give his rating? No, three point seven five. Let's go. <laughs> Let's move on. I'm just, I'm just glad that we got Mike's uh, head and shoulders match out of the way, so we never have to worry about covering that again. <laughs> All, right. All right. Kudos, Matt. I'm gonna let you take it away with your top three stories. Let's go. The Extra Cooler Show is a proud member of the Pod Foundation. Pod Foundation is a partnership between ourselves, the Chick Foley Show, Turnbuckle Tavern, and Coming Down the Aisle. We are committed to bringing wrestling fans everywhere the best content possible and sharing our love for all things professional wrestling. Be sure to follow at Pod Foundation on Instagram and Twitter to interact with us and stay up to date on all of our shows. 
back for some extra credit with our Extra Cooler Top 3. The Extra Cooler Top 3 spotlights our top stories from the week that was in pro wrestling brought to you by Chalkline. Chalkline brings you our favorite officially licensed WWE apparel on jackets, shorts, and more over at chalk-line.com. And the Pod Foundation will save you 10% when you enter PF10 at checkout. Let's start with some somber honorable mention the Iron Sheik has passed away at the age of 81. Uh, it's been really cool to kind of relive some of those early nine, uh, early 80s in that you know early Hulkamania time when Sheik does the job for uh, for Hulk and reliving a lot of the uh, the the funny takes that he has on Howard Stern. If you haven't gone to see those, it's it's worth uh, reliving. Some of it's pretty uh, rough around the edges, we'll say, as you would expect, but uh, definitely a, a big rest in peace to the Iron Sheik who uh, passes away at 81. A little less somber, we have another announcement from Tony Khan a week ago, and he has announced that CM Punk and FTR versus Samoa Joe and Bullet Club Gold will be the announced main event for this upcoming weekend's collision. So the very first match, uh, or excuse me, the very first pay-per-view, CM Punk, ooh, very first episode, CM Punk will be back and in a match I'm not sure if this is really moving the needle to make me want to watch, but uh, I'll hit the DVR play on Sunday morning. Um, and then I'm really enjoying also our final honorable mention piece. I'm really enjoying the little bit of storytelling that we're starting to get with the the uh, erosion of the Judgment Day. We'll see where this actually goes, but the last two weeks they've given us some Finn Balor and Damian Priest stuff. And as Priest has qualified for the Money in the Bank uh, Finn now has a match with Seth Rollins and they're going back and forth about, well, if you win the briefcase, you wouldn't cash in on me, right? And then JD McDonough is around and is being courted, it seems like, by Finn Balor. So really interesting. I'm excited and I'm sure that it will make the top three very, very soon. But let's dive into the real top three this week, starting off with NXT. That is right. I said NXT. <laughs> so Braun Breaker has called out Seth Rollins in last week's episode of, of uh, NXT. And then in this week's, you get a video package from Seth Rollins accepting and that he will face Braun Breaker for the heavyweight championship on NXT next week. Is, is this enough to make you tune in? Not the same NXT that it was. Just now, saying. Now, you're, I'm not going to tune in live. <laughs> I don't watch any wrestling live except for pay-per-views. May, may, basically, because we'll be recording our uh, next episode, which we'll tell you about in a minute. But uh, ultimately, I'm super intrigued by this. This is something that I am going to make sure I go back and watch. And yeah, like you said, we've got other we've got other responsibilities on Tuesday evenings. Uh, but I'm super intrigued. I love that Seth Rollins is taking this title and is making it the workhorse title and then is scheduling an open challenge on Raw the next week, I believe, too. So uh, I'm here for it. I think that they are going to take the same path with this heavyweight heavyweight title that Orange Cassidy is doing in AEW and just defending it and defending it and defending it and making it one of the most important titles in WWE. So let's go back to... uh, to AEW here last week we had a promo battle between MJF and Adam Cole which is on that work shooty plane right we got a lot of 
playing off of the in tune fans that know all of the dirt sheets that know all of the rumors that are going around and it was extremely entertaining in the moment it was captivating to me again it kept me really engaged but i'm seeing a lot of feedback on both sides here of like there people getting tired of the mjf work shoot style promos and uh you know calling back to Adam Cole and his carrying cross killing in his in NXT I thought was a really nice touch and I'm I'm not necessarily expecting a lot out of this feud as they're going to be fighting in an eliminator match early on uh in this week and it's already happened when you're listening to this so uh I don't see this being a long program but it's something good to fire up Adam Cole and lastly story number one I'm going to give this to Triple H continuing to really put his stamp on WWE and cleaning up the WWE title scenarios. We've already seen the big titles with Seth and Roman, and now we are getting Asuka being presented with the new WWE Women's Championship, which for some reason has undisputed listed on the title, even though that it was not uh, delivered to us in that way. And then we see... <laughs> yes, it is disputed. And then we see Charlotte Flair return and jump the line where we get some storytelling with Bianca Belair being pissed off. And ultimately, it's it could show some uh, some fire under Bianca, changing her character a little bit. I don't know if they'll go full heel with her, but I do enjoy that they're adding another wrinkle to her character. And then also we had the Women's Tag Team Championships, will, which will be unified, the WWE and the NXT Women's Tag Titles with Ronda, Shayna, and then the NXT Champions at this point, which uh, Elba Fire and I forget the other one, so excuse me. But I, I am on. He- Thank you so much. Picking me up, baby. Uh, but I am here for what Triple H is doing and really putting the stamp on it. I hope that the men's titles and the uh, on the tag team side, as well as the Intercontinental Championship, is next for getting facelifts, and then we're good. We're good, and Triple H is really truly starting the Triple H era. I like you said, cleaning up the title scene. That's a, what it feels like, man. It is. It's nice. Tidy it up and make it nice and clean. Yeah, get rid of those like uh, those tight tag titles. Oh, God. Turn the fat. Turn the fat. Yeah. Turn you know? the fat. You got to love it. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so as Matt alluded to earlier, next week we are dropping part one, chapter three. Uh, we're going to be covering Bash at the Beach 1998. And like I said earlier last week, we are going chronological order. King of the Ring, Bash at the Beach. We've got some ECW. We've got some WWF that we're covering, uh, culminating with SummerSlam. Uh, it's going to be a good summer. It's going to be a this going to be our first so we got... uh, Car- Carl Malone match, right? Oh man! <laughs> Put it down on the list. Let's do it. Put it down it's on the make, list. It's going to make the sideshow Bob noise the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> be sure to follow us on. <laughs> be sure to follow us on Instagram. Hop in the Discord. Uh, if you want to search us up on YouTube, you can give us a follow there. We're going to be dropping some episodes there. And don't forget to follow and check out the Pod Foundation on social media. Uh, Chick Foley Show, Turnbuckle Tavern, and Coming Down the Aisle. While you're at it, don't forget to follow, subscribe, rate, review, and tell all of your friends about the Extra Cooler Show and our Summer of 1998 special. And Cheers, real guys. Real quick. If you write a review or you give us a rating on Spotify, please screenshot it 
DM it, I, uh, DM it to me over on Instagram at Matt's in the cooler or us over at extra cooler show on Twitter. I've got some stickers that I'm just waiting to give away. So, uh, fill that out, do a review for us and I will make sure to get those out to you. So cheers, fellas, yeah, Apple or Spotify, wherever Apple you and prefer. Spotify. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Anybody hungry? <laughs> yeah. See ya. Oh my God. Nobody eats beefaroni on a boat, man. That's a problem. <laughs> right, so, uh, right, so uh, what's in the cooler? Oh, <laughs> just blew my mind. <laughs> the rhino, the rhino's on ya. Extra credit. Quartz, 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 quartz side heater. Extra credit. Nasty, nasty, nasty boys. boys.